0: Welcome back to An Omnia Paradis. I'm keeping this intro short because we have a guest. Thankfully, I have a guest after all of these weeks of me just having to talk to myself for an hour. There's finally another human on the other side. Welcome back. Well, it says the doctor, also known as Allie. (laughs) It is Doctor
1: Who Day. I needed to pay homage. And also, there's no shame in talking to yourself. Sometimes you need expert advice. It's fine.
0: It is. There's recently been studies that kind of as a joke, how people talk in third person, like it can actually be useful in some situations Mm -hmm. to talk in third person. Like, because then like you're depersonalizing it, like when you're having like a strong feeling or something's going on. But also, I don't use it that way. I think it's funnier, like when you're using it obnoxiously, but like It can help allegedly in some actual like mental health situations. I just don't during
1: those. Interesting. See, I I don't think I'd ever let myself start speaking about myself in third person because then it's like I've really gone over the deep end, but I definitely talk to myself or you know what I do that is absolutely insane. I talk to Scout, my puppy, which is normal, but then I do in her voice, her response back to me. Of course. And then I will respond to her response. So I'm having a split personality conversation with myself, but with Scout. And it's, uh, you know, it's great. It's a thing, though.
0: I never was raised around dogs. I had friends who had dogs, but it wasn't like a big thing for me. And so until I started dog sitting my cousin's dog, I always kind of thought when people like, man's best friend, like you have a special relationship with dogs, was kind of all like, you're justifying like being a little codependent with your pets. But like their dog and I like, I now understand this because like, I, it really can be a thing. It's also funny that this dog is like 100 pounds like I think Labradoodle you can definitely feel it with dogs and so like I like now had to like take back and apologize for that because I never got it before but it really is a thing of like they can tell like when I house it like he for the first few days I stayed at the house he would sleep in front of the front he'd sleep in front of the door and my cousin's like he doesn't do that with us around but he's like he's protecting you from the door like so I mean it's very clear even the dog knows I have bad anxiety and like need extra protection in this house but like it's weird feeling because like it feels like they really can I guess like off of like your nonverbal cues like like dog's brains are programmed to really understand that, like horses. Absolutely.
1: No, she she understands a lot of nonverbal cues, and I, I try to figure out what those nonverbal cues are. Like, if we're going somewhere and we're taking her with us, there's something in our behavior that tells her, I'm going. Because she can always know, she always knows the difference between when we are taking her versus when we're leaving her behind. And she acts different in each scenario. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not speaking to her. I'm not telling her, hey, you're coming with us. You're not going with us. She just somehow knows in her little puppy brain. All right, I'm going on this mission with you, and it's great.
0: I like how both yours and Matt's podcast started with me asking about the dog.
1: You know, she's like <laughs> it's like it's like somebody that has a newborn. You know, <laughs> like that's their whole life. My dog is my entire personality. Yeah. I I own a shirt that says "Dog Mom." Uh, I talk about her and Matt because uh, I clearly need friends. <laughs>
0: Well, like most people with newborns, the question is, are you planning for a second?
1: A second dog? I've considered getting Scout a dog. Like not because I want a dog, (laughs) but because I want her to have a dog, you know, because I feel so guilty when we leave her and she sits on the couch in the window as we're driving away and you can watch her sad little puppy face watching you drive away and you're crying in the car because you're trying to go to happy hour or something and you're crying about being a terrible dog mom. So I feel like if we got a second dog, Mm -hmm. then she would have a friend and she would be less lonely when we leave her. However, she is the perfect dog. And I think she has (laughs) lulled us into a false sense of security that if we got another dog, it would also be a perfect dog. But I feel like everybody that gets a second dog because of that ends up getting like a little demon dog that like tears everything up and eats your shoes and everything. So mixed feelings, mixed feelings. She might be Fair. an only child. There,
0: I feel like I've heard parents often say this similar thing of like, we got so lucky with one. Like, are we going to take the gamble for two? Cause yeah. it could be a completely different two.
1: Yeah. And then that's
0: when people get to three and four, because like, well, we need one to balance out two who we weren't expecting.
1: Yeah, I I don't, I don't understand. I don't know how people can have that many children. (laughs) It's, it's, I mean, props to you to have the patience for it. My grandma, my grandma grew up in South America, did not have access to the things that we have access to now. My grandma had eight children. So, Yeah. Her life was and remains to be chaos.
0: That reminded me, I was listening to an, an interview clip of Jimmy Kimmel and Kristen Bell, and she was saying her dad is Catholic, one of 12. And I was like, wow.
1: Yeah, Catholics, they, uh, they, they, they kept busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna <getting laughs> for saying that. It's okay, I was Catholic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you say was? Was. I have no way to transition into like what I asked you to talk about on this podcast. But like religion is an okay place to make yeah. This yeah so the topic I presented to Allie was content from the mid to early 2000s ish that like may or may not hold a place in our heart but like has aged so terribly the original example Allie wanted to talk about which I've seen clips numerous places over and over again is Glee like I loved Glee loved Glee I've now seen clips I of Glee my like, wow. Glee. wow particularly Artie's character was just so problematic
1: his character the way that they portrayed the asian characters the the way i mean even the way that they portrayed like the cheerleaders and the way that like just all of it was so bad and here's the thing i loved every second of it i was in i was in show choir for six years so when this happened i was like these are my people and uh yeah looking back on it now it's like oh, this, this, I would not, I don't know that I'd want my kids watching
0: this. It's interesting. I saw it was a YouTube, TikTok, some place on the internet was doing a thing of like, there's a lot of content between the years of like 2008 to um to like 20 we'll go 2014-ish before 45 announced he was gonna run for president mm-hmm. that because of who because of our beloved Barack Obama being president, we thought like society deemed like kind of there was a collective thing, like we ended racism in these years. So like jokes and certain things like that were said like weren't taken. I think I don't want to say like us as a society was a lighter, but like we assumed I was a child then, so, like, I mean, you were too, but, like, it's a thing of, like, you kind of just assumed, like, society, like, got the satire and, like, the jokes were made, we understood were, like, funny, but because of, unfortunately, like, 45-ruining society, like, now when we look back, we, like, can't look at those jokes, and we shouldn't look at those jokes without the weight behind them, but yeah. there was, like, a lightness when they were originally aired, because, like, Glee was progressive, like, Glee was a progressive show for what it was showing, for what it was, like, touting. Yeah, what they were messaging about inclusivity, like Glee wasn't an, an allegedly a very inclusive, liberal show.
1: It was, but it's still, I don't think it's necessarily just that, like, you know, society is different. And we thought that we could joke about stuff like that. I think it's just like not it's making jokes about something and then not like calling it out or showing like the other side of things or showing the mm. accurate representations of of things and there there were some things that I thought that they got really really right and there was there was just a lot of things that I'm like she sent that girl to a to a crack house to get her out of an audition <laughs> like oh it just well,
0: well also like yeah well with also like with Becky Becky was the cheerleader of Down syndrome right like yes being like such the bully like isn't great but at the same time like that was different for the time and like her like Sue like Sue was really mean to everyone else but she not like kind of it went against the grain for her to be so close with Becky and to like kind of like carry her under her problematic wing yeah
1: yeah well and I I think my I think my big thing coming out of Glee right now is just that a character like Rachel Berry who like first episode you're rooting for and you're like she's the underdog like maybe she was bullied but she worked really hard like is probably the most manipulative and like emotionally abusive person on the show yet She ends up like getting everything that she wants in the end and and winning and and the whole shebang. And it's like, no, you, you sucked. (laughs) You really sucked in this show. I
0: mean, Glee does seem to be though a real life imitating art in some.
1: Oh, yeah. And I do wonder how if some of that was just like, that's how it came out, because that's how the actress was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there was less earnestness I don't know well
0: there's that but then like Puck in season one made like a pedophile joke and Whoa. someone else made a comment I think it was also maybe Puck about like not being here like like a like a like a dying young kind of joke and like some of like there were a lot of like parallels of things and then, like funny girl
1: obviously with that whole yeah. shtick
0: N- neither of us felt like actually re-watching Glee because like there's yeah. just so much.
1: I thought I, I thought it was just gonna be too hard to try to pinpoint a single a single episode to be like this is the most problematic or like emblemizes the, the whole show. But it was a it's an honorable mention of something oh, yeah. that did not age well.
0: But the two things so we each chose one thing. So Allie chose one of, I don't know if it's still, but like one of one of the shows she introduced me to and so did everyone at my college, which is How I Met Your Mother. And I somehow, I don't know how Allie missed the mark on this, introduced her to one of the iconic early 2000s millennial woman franchises, bring it on. But of course we're not watching the first one, which is like actually good. Like the first one is actually good and the right message. We're watching the third one, which is the first one I saw and have a sentimental attachment to. But like, that's like a bingo card of like so many kinds of wrong. But I feel like like, we should tackle them individually. So let's start with the two episodes of How I Met Your Mother you sent me. And then I also found a list of, like, most problematic things about the show we can, like, run through too.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. So I have, I have, like, overall themes, like, across the entire show of things that didn't age well. And then I have things from the specific episodes. So. Okay. Yes. Let's but you... I am interested to hear your, your interpretations. Well,
0: your like, Yes, okay, so the first episode you told me to rewatch was, I don't know, I think it was called The Naked Man? It's called The Naked Man, yes. Do you want to quickly summarize what the episode's about?
1: Sure. The The, the basic idea of the episode is that or basically he go, she goes out on a date with this guy and they find out that this guy's move to get women is that he gets back to their apartment somehow. And while the woman is out of the room looking away, something to that effect just gets ass naked and presents himself nakedly to the woman. And that two out of three times it works in the seduction department. That's that's the basic general idea of it, and then after that, the other parts of the group—Barney, Ted, and Lily—all try out the naked man to see if it works. And they say it works two out of three times, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for Barney. But uh, that's that's the general idea of the show. So there's a lot of there's a lot of problematic just in the description.
0: Yeah. So to me, like obviously, there's like the prop. Like I don't even want to get into Barney because like Barney is very clearly problematic, very very overly like if you don't see the issue with Barney like go
1: he's pretty in your face womanizer like uses women manipulates women Uh, it's for a comedic effect yeah
0: but like the surprising thing for me which like I didn't I clearly missed the first time watching was like the like morality like the high moral ground Marshall took during this episode of like I was like wow because like Marshall like one of the lines I wrote down that like Marshall says like basically verbatim is he's saying this to Robin after the naked man worked is the only thing standing between you and sex is clothes. I'm like wow you yeah. said that on tv and like this was like I don't know if this was like public tv I don't know if it's like
1: cable or not but yeah, I didn't it was, feel it like was it was a it was a cable network I don't remember which one but it was on it was on tv
0: ooh, when I heard that I was like ooh, wow and you said that was your full chest
1: oh yeah I I loved that that was the part that he had an issue with continue continue I have my thoughts but I want to hear what you're what you're saying
0: they're going through I only took two quotes because I was mostly like "Ooh, these are bad themes the other one I wrote down was Barney like the quote was they are talking about like Lily's making her list of like 50 reasons to have sex that aren't because you're in love and because of like purity culture like there are mm-hmm. other reasons to have sex and then Barney's like going through his wish list and the quote was like he's he's like I want like a tall he's like I want a big girl but the quote is I want a big I want like not a big girl but a tall girl so I'm like ooh, the fat phobia and the shaming. And, like, I think, like, it's, like, also, like, the naked man. It's kind of, like, the joke in society. Like, the people who you want to see at a nudist speech or the people you want to be nudist aren't the people who are actually nudist. And, like, this obviously <laughs> perpetuated Because, like, the guy's, like, I do this move when I don't think I'm going to get a second date. And then, like, if I do get a second date, it's the, like, buyer's remorse. Like, my friends called me a slut and I want to prove I'm not a slut. And, like, it's hard because, like, the episode's only 20 minutes, but, like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the obvious thing now, and I will admit, like, when I watched it, I thought it was hilarious. The first yeah. time I saw it, I thought, like, this is hilarious. That's so funny. Obviously, this guy is, like, this derpy dude that, like, is never going to get a girl like Robin. That's never going <laughs> to yeah. happen. So you understand why he does it. But looking back on it now, I'm like, that is, like... For If I went on a date with a man and he made up an excuse to go into my apartment when I was like, no, this date is over, that's all right, already a red flag, mm-hmm. already a problem. But the fact that I leave the room for two seconds, I come back and he is ass naked. I am calling the police. <laughs> I am. I am like, that's like, I guess not technically assault because he's not technically touching you yet, but- oh my God, for that to happen, for someone to get naked without my permission, without any any sort of consent, like what is the difference between that really and somebody like exposing themselves to you on the street? I I just like, oh my God, oh my God. I,
0: it plays into like the most simplistic thing, like, oh, like a man like wants to do this. And like, of course, if he's already naked, like, of course she'll like, she feels bad for him. So like she feels, she, she's guilty enough to sleep with him. And I'm not trying to put like, sex and intimacy like you do you I don't judge people for what their choices are but in this situation it's literally like well she felt bad like she felt guilty enough like that's the thing like it's guilt sex like people feel bad enough and like yeah you're already this way so like I might as well when like yeah
1: I like if I if there is a man in my apartment and he got naked without my consent without my know-how without anything like I in what in what world is that okay And what world is that not like a weird power thing that you're trying to do? And now it's forcing you to get your clothes back on. It's just this weird power thing that you're trying to pull. And it's also a thing where a lot of women would feel threatened in that situation. And maybe not a lot of women would have the wherewithal to say no, or even to like get them out of their apartment. Like a lot of women a lot of women would probably see this guy got naked. That's a very aggressive move. I don't know if he's crazy at this point. I I need to very much tread lightly because if he can do this crazy ass shit, is he going to do something else to me? Like this just is a no. very aggressive, threatening thing that would not fly nowadays.
0: Well, the other thing is like, if you like when rewatching the episode, like they don't like, they don't actually play it out. You see him get naked and then you hear Robin saying like, yeah, it happened. So I feel like the part that like is the legitimate plot hole is like what happens. Like, does she walk in and they they like does like what? I don't like need the details, but it's like I feel like what happens to from them seeing him naked to them sleeping together is kind of like an important piece that like is a gap in the episode because like is like does he, and it's like for for the audience's interpretation. Like, is it that oh the the. As Marshall says, like, the slutty woman, the only thing standing between, a, a like, a horny woman and sex is her clothes, or is his clothes. So, like, it just happened. Or, like, does he push her and she feels awkward? Like, you don't see that. So, like, the joke is the part that, like, we don't know and, like, we will fill in as appropriately or inappropriately, like,
1: as is to our comfort level. Yeah, and I mean, I will, like, even, like, assuming... Judging by her like behavior afterwards, like she was, she was into it. She, she was fine with it. Like she consented to having sex, but it's just the, it's just the initial, like very aggressive action on his part. That's just not, not okay. (laughs) So the other characters try it out too. What were, what were your thoughts on, on those situations?
0: I always hated Ted. I always like from the beginning, I was like, he's the main character. Like from episode one, I was like, I don't like Ted. I only like Barney and Robin and Marshall and Lily go in and out depending on like the plot like the whatever they're doing I think when Ted tried it it was a thing of like it's like it was literally from it's like a last word like I thought I was going on a date with this like great girl we had a connection then he goes on the date and like she's like not his type shake. Like, well like at least I can try getting some I wouldn't try this if I actually liked her so like let's let's throw this in the mix because like worst case I don't get to sleep with her in best case I do when she's hot
1: yeah yeah I think my thing with Ted and I agree with you I don't like Ted I used to love Ted I don't like Ted anymore but did you she- why? He, he's the epitome of like the nice guy trope of like, why isn't it happening for me? I'm a nice guy. And it's like, bro, you're not a nice guy. And you're- whiny as hell and you don't really respect women and think that in the way that you think that you respect women Mm -hmm. but the thing with me on, on Ted's date was that like he had so much respect for her as a woman beforehand and he's like oh she's gonna be this great girl we're gonna go on this great date I would never do this because she's this great girl and we're gonna go on this great date and then the date doesn't go as well they don't have similar similar like interests or whatnot and yeah she's kind of like an ignorant person fine but after that he's like okay i don't have respect for you as a woman anymore i'm just gonna get ass naked and you deserve this because you like you are kind of ignorant and a a mean person either way regardless it kind of felt very like oh she was asking for it to me of like oh you're a you're a bad person so so it's okay for me to like basically assault you in this way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think yeah. I, I also think if she if they didn't have like a connection, that's fine. If you wanted to have a one night stand, one night stand, that's also fine. But there's a way to do that. That's like, a, oh, maybe sit together on the couch first. Maybe like start to kiss. Maybe like one thing leads to another instead of like I'm just gonna get naked without your consent mm-hmm. and we're gonna see what happens
0: and i think barney is a pig so like i wouldn't expect anything different from when he did it but i think what i'm realizing with lily and marshall and like how probably like like now they're like much more problematic than they were when like i watched the series because lily was kind of lily is kind of like the epitome of like white feminism of like trying to stay as close to the power and as close to the patriarchy as she can so like lily doing it was supposed to kind of be like look like she's doing it too because like lily was always more like they always made marshall like softer to Lily's counterpart she was always the more dominant one she was always the more like controlling one she was like not more I guess more ambitious he was always like softer more in with his emotions and yeah. so it's like that was like they're like we're feminists like look at what Lily does and it's like but Lily, like, is, like, very much, like, in that, like, white feminism realm of, like, trying to be, like, a man versus, like, dismantle the system. And I feel like that this is just another way of showing it. She's like, well, I'm going to do this to prove a point, to find, like, a 50th way. Because, like, you're a man. You're simple. So, like, I'm going to do it and prove that it works.
1: It's also a different dynamic, right? You yeah. You pulling that move on a first date. Of someone that like barely knows you in a house that is not your own is very, very different than you walking up on your spouse in your home naked. that's Mm -hmm. that's it's most people are are allowed to be naked in their own (laughs) homes um even if you like sneak up on a spouse like in a different room or whatnot you're it's fine that you're naked there's a general Mm -hmm. assumption that that is okay it's a very very different story than what like ted and barney and the other guy whose name escapes me did but yeah and also the you know the flagrant like slut shaming you know robin is a very self-possessed woman she can do what she wants even though she like let a naked dude in her apartment decide that they were going to do it. But yeah, I think Robert or I think Marshall is very like much more traditional in that sense, but I guess he's he's midwestern. Minnesota, don't you know.
0: The next episode you picked out was something something like The Slap Bet number 3, something something like Slap Mara, wrong. slap Mara. And like as soon as this one started I was like, "Oh, I know the direction we're going." And it's like, "I I blocked out I blocked it out because I felt like it was very it's very normalized what they did and it was very but like watching back I'm like ooh, we should have made that so like yeah. in summation of this episode there how I met your mother there's a one of the running bits is a slap bet between Marshall and Barney this is I think the fifth one or the fourth out of fifth one and Barney is kind of always on guard ready for it but he's kind of like you know what Marshall you can't scare me and Marshall's like I did all of this training and kind of the whole episode surrounding this training is kind of like a Kung Fu karate kid. I went to Asia on this trek and I met with these three people to teach me the best part of swapping where it's the white cast portraying these Asian elders and speaking not in accents, but using phrasing that would be typically with one of these like Asian.
1: Like crouching tiger, hidden dragons sort of. Yeah. Yeah spoof I won't say homage because it did not feel very respectful
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it was just like the things about like the age of the women they're like oh like both of the women were like a hundred and something and then like when they got to Ted's character who they also made like a woman he was like 34 and like Marshall like oh like you're like look great for like 92 and he's like I'm only like 30 something like does my skincare not work was he a woman well originally like they say like and he goes to the third like woman and like he turns around with a mustache and like I think they implied something like until like they have Ted turn around and like, gets the third like woman master. But mm-hmm. like I feel like there's not very particular thing with this like there's the whole like idea of how they went about this episode was wrong.
1: It's the whole it's the whole Kind of spoof on this kind of movie, which is like, it's, it's a, it's a genre that is very beloved. But what they did in this episode was not it, it wasn't respectful of it. They had a few Asian characters in it that felt very much like they were just trying to it felt a little exploitative of those characters mm-hmm. of those people like the actual Asian actors that were in it. And then the fact that you're right, they, they did speak not in an accent, but in the way that you would, in the way that those films would be dubbed it to an English language for an English audience. And it just felt really weird. Like it just wasn't respectful of it. It wasn't trying to say we love these kinds of movies. It was almost entirely making fun of the genre with an, entirely white cast basically and I did debate not saying this one just because there was because this uh, this episode of the podcast is about things that didn't age well that episode when it came out got a lot of like uproar and backlash from specifically the Asian community that thought like hey, this is incredibly disrespectful and racist what the hell i but uh yeah what were you what were your thoughts on it
0: i mean i think the other thing like kind of just like thinking about content in general like this or glee or certain things like this is like one of the only i can't imagine like being an actor in the demoralization or in the dehumanization that like this is a huge show this is one of the few roles you can get as a insert person of color here and this is what you have to perpetuate about your group because they want to prove hey look there's an asian person so like, it's not racist. So you have to be that one person like to justify like such bad behavior to like maybe like I don't know what you have to do but like, keep your sad card so you know like you can have health insurance for that year. Like you have to be that one like representative in that scene and it's like unfortunate that that exists because yeah. they're like well we hired Asian actors. It's like you did but like look what you made them do.
1: Yeah and I would be hard pressed to think that there were any Asian writers in the room of this episode approved it. I mean I think I think this episode is a little bit different than the rest of the series because it's specific specifically spoofing on this this kind of kung fu movie. But the show in general, Like I used to love the show. I used to love Ted Mosby. I thought he was great and romantic and sweet. And looking back on it now, I'm like, no, he is the epitome of the, the quote unquote, nice guy, nice guys finish last sort of Mm -hmm. trope of I'm so nice. I'm so romantic. Why isn't this working out for me? And it's like, no, you're just you're kind of conniving and you're kind of manipulative and you're not as nice of a guy as you think you are. And still in the end, you do get exactly what you want. There's, a, it's. I just find it problematic in a way now that I didn't see the first time watching it.
0: Are you watching The White Lotus right now? Yes. Are you caught up? Yes. So, like, something that someone was... I saw this TikTok because everyone's going with their conspiracy theories. But someone was saying, like, the first season of White Lotus is all... is kind of really, like, race colonizing based. Yeah. And then the second one people are, like, are kind of saying, like, this one has a lot to do with, like, gender dynamics, misogyny, and kind of the father, son, and grandson kind of displaying the three types of, like, kind of masculinity through the ages. Like, the grandfather, old, grumpy man, outrageously sexist, misogynistic, all of that. And then the son his the guy from the Sopranos is like no like we can't be that bad so we do it in secret and like my behavior is better and then the youngest son is like no both of you are doing this bad like I'm doing this the right way but with this whole nice guy thing which I'm glad we're all kind of like waking up to is like but at the end of the day it's like I'm nice so I can get girls so girls will like me and it's still an entitlement thing it's like I'm nice so why am I still not that Ted was the same way it's like I'm doing the things I said I'm being told to do yeah. So why am I still not getting girls throwing themselves at me? It's an entitlement. Like, I'm doing the right thing. So like, why isn't this working?
1: Yeah, it just means that you're not an asshole. It doesn't mean that anyone has to be attracted to you. It just means that you have the bare minimum of not being a terrible person. <laughs> But a lot of the things that that they think make them the the guy in White Lotus is a different story because he's he's uh, he means nice guy in a way that he's not an aggressive guy. But like yep. Ted Mosby does a lot of like aggressive romantic things that are a little love bomby, yep. are a lot love bomby, and like saying I love you on the first date or planning like that the two minute date that like we're gonna f- shove a million dates into one thing that like sound really sweet, but he's trying to completely love bomb you to get you like like wrapped up in him and then and then he asks you to get rid of your dogs um, <laughs> why are you gonna get why who in their right mind would give up their dogs for a boyfriend sorry oh give God. up the boyfriend mm-hmm. anyway so that's my that's Ooh. my spiel on that how yeah, did you think... ha, how did you enjoy watching those episodes how did they make you feel
0: um i like knew it had an aged well because i'd seen various clips throughout like the the slap Rama one was like harder than the naked man because the naked man was like very on par for what the show does and it's like i get the laugh but mm-hmm. it's also, like, realizing realizing shows like that and, like, Friends and, like, I don't watch, like, all of them. It was particularly, like, I think, like, cast was really good. Mm-hmm. But the writing was, like, ooh. Like, what made the show great was, like, the magic that that cast had together. Like, I think the actors were really Yeah, strong. the cast had
1: a lot of really good chemistry.
0: But, like, it was also very, like, like, a lot of shows, I think, were very formulaic and art like based on archetypes of like you're this one thing and like we're gonna play off this one thing you have and like all of the characters realizing gonna were all very like they were all very kind of victimy in their own way like playing the victim of their own lives. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like, why is this happening to me? It's like, why? It's like, all of you are fine. Like nothing <laughs> is actually happening. And like, nothing is wrong in your lives. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of your overarching themes that you caught or you found on the internet? That's how I your mother.
1: I think the Ted thing of like, of, yeah, the, the whole nice guy trope. I mm. think that I used to love Robin and I really identified with Robin and mm. but Robin's whole, like, I'm not like other girls. Yeah. Very shaming of other women thing is very like, it's not 2020. It's not 2022. Yeah. Um, it's very like shaming other women to make you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Um, they, they also poke a lot of fun at Robin's trauma, which is, is for comedic effect, but it's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. You've been through some shit.
0: I found this article that's 15 jokes from How I Met Your Mother that have aged poorly. And this article is already two years old, so I'm sure there's more. Every fat joke. Yeah. There were a lot. Of. Um, Barney dressing like a lesbian to pick up a gay woman, which I, I forgot yep. about.
1: Yeah, that was funny.
0: The mermaid theory, which I didn't remember. Yes. What, so fortunately, it said this joke is yet another offensive theory Barney Stinson has about women. Basically, he believes that no matter how quote unquote repugnant you initially found a woman, the longer you spend time with her, you are bound to want to sleep with
1: her. At some point you're gonna want to bang any chick that you are in contact with.
0: The entire character of Ranji. Yes.
1: Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. They didn't they all he ever said was hello, hello, goodbye. And he lived in that limo. And
0: yeah. Um, the way Robin's relationship with her dad was treated. Yeah, again,
1: there's a whole lot of whole lot of trauma there. Um, and all of it was joking. Crazy
0: eyes. The whole theory of women being emotionally unstable and crazy when it comes to the romantic lives.
1: I I stand buy the crazy eyes because i would apply the crazy eyes to men as well i think anybody with crazy eyes stay away barney's fake identities yeah i don't know i feel like i see i obviously obviously you can look at that as problematic and obviously you could see it as problematic then that's the joke right the joke is that he's a scumbag and the I don't know that it's as problematic just because they call it out in the show. They make a point of yeah. calling it out in the show and all of the characters call it out in the show. Like he's not a good person. He's not someone to aspire no. to be. Like this
0: one says Barney films women without their consent. It's like no one was okay with that then.
1: Yeah, no, that, the that, yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, not okay. This
0: says Ted's femininity played off for laughs, but so was Marshall's, like all of the men. Like it was very like toxic masculine, like all the gay jokes, trans yes. jokes. Like that ran
1: rampant. Yes, very much so. You'll probably remember with the brother and I did Barney sold a woman? Oh yes. He was talking about it, he it never happened in an episode. He was it, there was an episode where he couldn't remember sleeping with a woman. Like he saw her and he thought she was sabotaging his life, and he's like, I'm so sorry. Like I've done a lot of terrible things. I've done this to women, I've done this to the women one time. I'm pretty sure I sold a woman. I didn't, I didn't he's like I didn't I didn't say words to the guy, but I he handed me keys to a car and I left her there. <laughs> So it's like part of the dialogue. They don't. You don't ever meet this woman. You don't ever actually know what happens. It's just a throwaway joke. Cultural
0: appropriation. Ted making Robert Redford dogs. The playbook. But like the play. The playbook like was like the playbook was like made like similarly to Barney. It's like he was a bad person, so the playbook inherently was bad. This one exactly. I forgot about, but like I'm sorry. I still find this. I understand the problematic, but like like it's. Like, I get, like, who's hot and who's Scott. I understand the problematic. But, like, when you hear it, like, I don't know most people for the first time who hear it and wouldn't have the initial giggle. I get why it's problematic, particularly with the current climate of what's happening. And I don't think we should be making jokes like that. I can also admit, when I first heard it again on this list, I laughed at it.
1: I thought it was a funny, a funny little clip. And again, like, no one is justifying any of Barney's behavior.
0: Um, One of the other jokes I found is like Barney's plan to pick up a bride or a bridesmaid in Cleveland called patient zero where he puts a mask on and
1: coughs. I was like, (laughs) oh, well, yeah, that didn't age well for a different reason. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. no, that wouldn't work today. I don't know that that would have worked then, but it definitely wouldn't work. In a, yeah. in a post-COVID world.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, The episode where Ted and Robin move in together, Willy gives Ted a box of his colorful sweaters marked Bill Cosby and giggles. Ted says, you laugh at America, love that guy for a reason.
1: Uh, also didn't age well, yeah. Not, not how, I mean, they. how would they have known? We didn't know until recently.
0: With all of content, I'm not, I think similarly like, the way I feel, about, like old, like, mem- like statues of like Confederate things, I think getting rid of all of this is stupid. I think like use it, It can all be used to teach going forward. I think like add to the little plaque to the Confederate soldier, This person did this, this, this for the South. So did all these bad things because they were fighting to keep their slaves because it wasn't about states' rights. But I think getting rid of it, like erasing shows like this and Glee from the lexicon, all it does is like, we'll make the same mistake again because we're getting rid of the things that show we made the mistake in the first place.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in burying it, but I think it's a little bit, I I wouldn't equate it to that just because like this wasn't so far in our past. This was only like- what, 15 years ago or something something like that, yeah. that, that like we probably should have known better. And then there's things that they're making fun of that aren't, that, that they should have known better then. um like the bill cosby thing how would how would they have known it wasn't like a known Mm -hmm. thing at the the time that's just something that happened after the fact that's that's unfortunate i think with the confederate like statues and stuff like that that's so far in our past and we Mm -hmm. like maybe they didn't know better but we definitely do know better now and like maybe don't maybe don't destroy it but put it in a Mm -hmm. museum somewhere context i think like Mm -hmm. statue makes it sound like we still idolize it or a statue out in a public square, whereas if it's put into a historical context somewhere that you're studying history. But yeah, I think that Himium can stay like stay living on a Netflix or a Hulu or wherever it is. And you can look back on it with the questionable fashion choices and uh, slang of the era and be mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is a little time capsule into 15 years ago when things were. Mm-hmm.
0: And I also think like for what it does, like you can acknowledge the bad of something like for example one of the shows i loved growing up and holds a special place in my heart is seventh heaven fortunately a lot has come about the father and like do your own research but like that show like was one of my favorite shows growing up i have an autograph from the cast and i'm really happy because it was during the ashley simpson era which means i have her autograph but like that was like my favorite show and before i was allowed to watch gilmore girls and i think there's a lot of good from that show like I think the mother she was more like on she did all the house like not the housework but she did all the repairs and like the handier like more masculine like would fix cars and things and I think that was really important I think like like accepting other cultures like and they're sure you can find something problematic to match everything I'm saying That's good but I like had a good enough like moral compass and filter through it that like I took a lot of the good and like left the part where the siblings almost tried to make out with each other in
1: the pilot. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I actually I don't remember a ton from seventh heaven I just know that like the dad is now is he is he arrested is he is I don't he charged?
0: Know. he's also in my favorite movie of all time so like What's I'm just like, of all time because I said so with Diane Keaton and the um Mandy Moore Barn Graham and Piper Parabo it's about like Diane Keaton being like an overbearing mother over her like single her youngest daughter being single oh this it's is the one where funny. she
1: tries to set her daughter up right yes think I have seen like the first maybe 20 minutes of it maybe Mm
0: -hmm. I like it because like the main characters of of Suits is in it like a lot of other people I like it's like very like she's like always in polka dots like very 1950s they like the mother and her daughters have like a doo-wop kind of thing going it's based around like they're all bakers so like there's a lot of like parallels to my family that I saw in this
1: you have a lot of bankers bakers like bakers I heard bankers and I was like that's a weird (laughs) okay sure so there's money great
0: cool <laughs> yeah. move on to the franchise
1: let's, let's talk, yeah let's talk about the rest of your childhood how please tell me how uh how this next movie your pick influenced your life
0: so this film i think i got it i think it was one that i would rent from blockbuster like and it was a straight I to
1: dvd i looked yeah. it up straight it should, to dvd
0: it should, for a reason like <laughs> I will like, so, so this movie, Bring It On All or Nothing, which is the one with Hayne Pantier, Francia Reza, Solange Knowles, or like kind of the big names you would probably know from it, is the third installment of the Bring It On franchise. The first one, the only good one is with Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union. For those who don't know the franchise at all, it is two opposing cheerleader squads competing in the first one the big thing were the rival high schools where Kristen dunce's white cheers squad stole cheers from the lower income all black cheer squad so there was a lot of things about cultural appropriation and like resources and i think in the end they became friends i don't remember which team won i hope it was the clovers but i don't think it was for some reason i don't remember i should remember i know i'm sorry this is like angela and like amanda's like favorite one of their favorite movies they quoted all time so i apologize but <laughs> this installment basically undid everything from the first one Inter i didn't even write down quotes i'm just gonna read you some things that they from like the right that they that they that this movie does it enforces purity culture body shaming catty friendships diet culture um toxic masculinity gossip what it's like to be in an urban setting <laughs> slut shaming the dichotomy between the rich White affluent school in Palos, wherever they go to when they go to Crenshaw Pacific Vista, Pacific Vista from when they go to Crenshaw Heights is crazy. The abonics that they use, the slapping of women's body parts, sexualization, adultification. Queer leader is a term that I I was like, oh, I don't know how I did So like, this is literally like every single thing like that would not, that should not ever be repeated was like in this movie and the most shocking thing. And like, it's not shocking because doing things for a check, it was written by a black woman. Well, allegedly on paper, it was written by a black woman who wrote like the preceding like five, bring it on in the franchise. I don't think she wrote the first one, but she wrote like three, four or five and six or something. And I was like, oh, wow. and again it doesn't necessarily she could have gotten paid a lot and like they again had a black woman write it to like make them look like it's not as bad as it is they could have like done a bunch like switching it on day or like a bunch but like credited as a black woman who wrote this movie yeah which was shocking i was like as someone completely new to this franchise this movie like i feel like you just go with your thoughts for a bit
1: all right i i cringed so hard when you told me what movie you picked um and you assigning this movie meant that my dear sweet husband had to endure it as well and that yeah he's a very big like film and cinema buff so this was outside of his (laughs) outside of his wheelhouse but we did it we did it and honestly i was uh, not pleasantly surprised because it was awful so awful however I was not taken aback by the things that I thought that I would be taken aback by. Mm-hmm. From the get-go, for me, you can tell that it is very obviously a satire. It is satirizing not uh, not only the black schools that obviously there's like heavy, heavy racial stereotypes. It's also very heavy handed on the white stereotypes, the white wealthy stereotypes. And the fact that she walks into this like like underprivileged school walking down the street like fucking Glinda the Good Witch, like they're also making fun of the white people. They're very much uh, leaning heavily on both sides. Like obviously the white school doesn't have a fucking sushi bar. That's not a thing that happens obviously. And they're not, they're not written to be real people people they're not written in a realistic way they're written as satirical characters like the 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 boyfriend, the kid from Greek, uh, whose name I don't know, what that actor's name, the blonde kid from the white school, Evan
0: Chambers from Greek. That's about all. That guy I
1: know. very obviously is not actually going to be like, oh, when the girl is like doing the really sexy dance for him, the mm-hmm. the friend or whatnot, yeah. he's not actually going to be like, oh, gotta like move my boner around. <laughs> it was just all so like so big and so like almost Saturday Night Live that it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're we're playing really heavy into satire now. If it wasn't satirical, yes it would all be very offensive. It would all be very, like, very inappropriate. But the fact that you can tell in it, oh, they're making fun of a lot of these things. They're poking fun of oh, at a lot of things. That makes it much more okay. Now, that said, there were a few things that I saw that was like, okay, they're not making fun of this part and they're doing <laughs> it. That makes it racist. Uh, like, there's a part where Hayden Panettiere goes, goes to the... Goes to the black school and she's getting bullied by the cheerleaders or whatnot. And she looks around like trying to find anybody, anybody that looks nice enough. And she finds the one table of white girls, and <laughs> she's like, "My people!" And she goes to the table, and if they leave because they also hate her, but it's like, okay, yeah, that that was a racist thing on that character's part, and we're just not going to talk about it. Cool. There, there was a part where she gets home from school, and there's like literal children playing, like ball or something in the street, like actual babies. And she's like clutching her bag and like running into the house, like fearful for her life. I'm like, okay, maybe that part was satire. I don't know. But it was just like... That part was a bit much for me. Obviously there was there's the part in the dance where her like rival from her old school goes on this spiel about now you're with those people and soon you'll be hanging out with them and you'll marry one and you'll be yelling at your baby daddy on Springer. Okay, racist bitch. But they call her out on it. Like the friends call her out on it immediately. You know that that character is not a good person and that that movie is not excusing any of her behavior because she gets called out on it. Is it shocking? Yes. Does she use a word that sounds very, very close to- to a, a, one of the seven words you cannot say on public radio? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and it was shocking you know what i'm talking about no what she, seven she words uses a uh the word i don't even want to say it because even saying this sounds bad she says the word wig well
0: when you say this i'm like what are the seven
1: words you can't say on public radio um it's like fuck that uh the c word like there's a there's a list of words that specifically oh, okay. you cannot say i don't remember what the other ones are but it's like it's bad words that's the bad yeah. words you're not allowed to say we're supposed to pretend that don't mm. happen where the where in the hell are any of the adults in this movie is what i want to know
0: Well, we do know that Brittany's mom is there because one of the quotes I have from her is like, honey, you're smart, you're pretty, you're blonde. Like, you have no problems in this world.
1: I mean, fair. (laughs) That's fair. That mom was a brunette. Okay, she understood the struggle. She knew she knew that her blonde little daughter was gonna have her way easy in life. All right, continue. You had more quotes.
0: Oh no, that was like just when you were talking about adults. Like that's like one of the main adults, and like yes, no, it's like there there were no adults other than her. I get the deep, deep. Set. I like it's it's campy. Like it's so over it's- the top however i don't know realistically how many people would you have to have a critical mind to get that it's satire i don't think i think this isn't yes it's overt and yes like but like even as a satire to be part of this big franchise after the first one came out i feel like people because like the first one like is a it's like a comedy but it's not like making it's not satire in the same way so i feel like how many of it's like audience would understand that like it's making fun and it's like overly exaggerating versus it playing into this like i yeah. would like if you're under if you're coming to a point from this is really satirical and like it's making fun of itself and it's like overtly doing these things it's like easier to stomach but like if you think about like the not so bright people who watch it and like think that this is like the intention like this like it is what it is mm-hmm. it's so bad <laughs>
1: It is. It is. Yes. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that you can point to and be like, this is like, yeah, there's there's definitely things to be offended by. But it's it's such a and I understand that not everybody understands satire and the concept of satire, but it's it's pretty blatantly again, Mm -hmm. she's like floating through the parking lot like a Disney princess with her hands up like no person walks like that. Not even not even the spoiled rich white girl, like that's, that's not human behavior. So I think with all of those points, it's like, okay, these, these are exaggerated Mm -hmm. characters. They're making fun of the tropes that they're supposed to be fitting into. But yeah, I can see how if, if you don't, if you're not looking at it through that lens, or if you don't understand satire, it can come off as really problematic, but I think it's just so blatant, like from the get go that it's like, okay, this is, yeah, definitely making fun of everybody because they're not, they don't necessarily, they make the white characters out also to be really dumb, rich girls, which is also making fun of the other side.
0: Well, you know, like with their one Asian friend who they say, oh god, I thought I wrote, I wrote, I thought I got down, but, oh, like, when, again, the mean one, who after she makes the W, N-word comment, says, bite me, crouching tiger. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Immediately after that. It's like, oh,
0: okay. And it's like the white school had the one Asian friend and like versus like the other school. And I think like, but it completely like for like all of it, like for how overt it was, but it was like, like, yeah, it was like so overt. Like, like the, like the Latin, like Francia Resa, like poor thing in this film.
1: She must've been really young here.
0: It was before, I think it was before, I think it was before Secret Life. Well, just like also like when you hear her speak and like, you know how she speaks between- Gronish or any other thing she's been on. Like, it's like, oh, wow, you're like, you asked everyone to speak, like, I don't know the correct word, but like urban in this, like, to, like, to, put it to make yeah. it extra. Like, and then the the, the crumping
1: was just so funny. Oh my run. God, the crumping. The real offensive part of this whole movie <laughs> is the idea. And I love, I love, I have loved her in many things, but the idea that Hayden Panettiere can like move in a sexy, good way, like that she can dance or whatever. And that it's super impressive. They kept having these moments that were meant to be built in tension of her like dancing. And like, suddenly she's amazing and she's dancing better than everybody and she's crumping. And it's like, wow, everybody's in awe. And I'm like, what? Did they see what I just saw? Because that was sad. Oh my God, it was so sad. Even the guy that was supposed to be good at crumping. And I was like, did I have a different understanding of what crumping was? Because I don't, that doesn't look right to me.
0: Or just like when Hayden Pender here like, runs into the gym and sees them crumping. She's like, guys, 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 like we have to stop fighting. Like fighting's not the answer. It's like, really?
1: Like, that's really what you saw. They're clearly dancing. Oh, my God. But just like, just the, even when she has this moment where she's like, oh, no, oh, my God. The, um, the, uh, when they're in the homecoming dance and they're, the cheerleaders are like doing their thing and she's like, hey, Winnie, hey, what? And like, introduce yourself or whatnot. And then it's like, I'm gonna show you all, you girls all, all up. Shibuya! Yeah, yeah, Shibuya, real <laughs> my, why is that? Why is that so impressive? Everybody else is like, ooh, like it was so good. I'm like, what? Oh my god, the
0: other moment. Well, like, they really were like, when Hane Pentier comes back to the dance and her and Winnie are in the fight. And, like, she pulls the what's Solange at thing of, like, like, Brad, I hold my shit, like, taking off her earrings. And I'm, like, oh, so, like, we're showing, like, the blackification of Ian here. And, like, that's good for her. That she's yeah. now, like, oh, she's one of them. Like, she's well, that, of this community, which we make fun of.
1: Yeah. That was – there. therein lies one of the things that I, like, in my head, I'm, like, oh, okay, they're not actually making fun of it in this point. And at this point, it's just racist and and like appropriation and is when Hayden Panettiere is like finally starting to be accepted by the like the um, minority group or like the black kids in her in her community or whatnot or on the cheer team and now she has now the visual representation of that is she has cornrows and she's wearing these big ass hoops and now it's like she's one with this and it's like you could have you could have shown all of that just by the acting like there was no need to be like oh she's hood now and we're gonna we're gonna dress her up like she's hood it it, it just like it was something small that i'm sure that they didn't think of but now if you saw that now like like so many white artists get get shit all over because they have cornrows and it's appropriation and and the the giant hoops in in a deliberate attempt to look like you're from a minority group
0: to fit in yeah and like the whole thing of like oh my god i forgot what i was i forgot what i was going to say but the whole thing with like the the twinkies and like cane panty needing like to grow an ass versus like the it's really funny because i didn't realize like the girl on the white cheer, cheer team who they were making lose weight is now on like a, she's on station 19 which is like a gray spinoff at a fire department and i was oh. like oh my god i did not realize like you were the same actor but like it's whole funny like her, like she has a big ass i'm like she's like that's okay like because it's like she's a very skinny girl and then like he's like that's like and you were pushing it last year she's very thin she's frankly she's less she's narrower in hips than you are hayden she's just a lot taller than you so like
1: There was a a lot of body shaming, which admittedly I'm sure happens a lot on cheer squads. Like, I'm sure that's that's a real thing that happens. And they call, they at least show... Like, oh, I was wrong for fat shaming you at some point in time. What I didn't like was that they like, and it plays into the satire a little bit of like yeah. that character that they told needed to lose weight was constantly eating and constantly stuffing yeah. her face, which like a real person, if somebody tells you to lose weight, you're going to have shame about it and you're going to probably still eat, but you're going to yeah. do it like in secret and in hiding away from people. Yeah. Um,
0: or when like she's doing laps and when he's like, are you still thinking about food? And she's like, yeah, I keep running. Yeah. like don't tell people to like don't think about like insert one thing here that's all you're gonna think about yeah oh i remember what i was gonna say like during the end cheer performance like when they're oh they're doing these dangerous things like we're gonna go like mimic them but then their way to like break the mimic is like like i think they said something like take them to the streets y'all or something something in the streets and like they just like start like full force like the thing is like take you can take color out of this take everything like that's a very aggressive thing to do no matter what color you are like rush another group of people. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, also, side note, is this like an underground cheer competition? Because they're no, literally very, like under a building yeah. with no yeah. supervision. There are no well, like like chaperones from the school. There's no parents. It's literally like, like a street fight. <laughs> but for yeah, cheerleaders. Well,
0: well, there are judges. And well, obviously... Because it was to be in a Black artist music video, where else would you hold it than, like, a dingy underground, like, warehouse where maybe needles yeah. were under there?
1: Also, how much did they have to pay Rihanna to do this, to subject herself this way?
0: It's just oh. so great. Especially, yeah, well, especially, like, the line she had to be around for when, like, when he's just, like, full-on going racist. It's like, wow.
1: Like. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. She, yeah. And they
0: go straight from, I like how they go straight from the dance competition to the music video at the end. Yes. Like they didn't change. It's like they just like transitioned from one scene. Rihanna's video is going to be right now. Rihanna did her hair. She changed up whatever. And
1: you're going to go dance. Yeah. I also I also don't, I, I don't understand why Rihanna needed a cheer team. Why wouldn't she have wanted like dancers is my question. But you know, Rihanna, Rihanna wants what Rihanna wants. That's fine. Side note, not necessarily offensive, but I could not keep my eyes off of it neither could Matt it became a running joke in the end there's a point where they're all like they're in front of the bus in yeah. like in front of the cheer competition yeah. and it's the it's the uh Crenshaw people and then it's the Pacific Vista people yeah. and then Hayden Panettiere is like oh can I compete with you and she's like yeah. no and, yeah. and then um Weenie comes up and they have this competition in front yeah. of their people Francia Riza Has a bottle of which, which really is a testament to the time. It's such a treasure. It's like it's like a little time capsule. It's a body bottle of Sobe. Do you remember Sobe, like the soft drink juice type of thing? Um, It had its moment, but it's a bottle of Sobe, and it is very, very blatantly a product. This is a
0: continuity. Oh, I was like, is this a continuity thing? Like no, no, body? no. It's a
1: product placement thing because she's holding it in a very uncomfortable angle. Oh, I do remember these. She doesn't take a sip of it ever. And then when the people are fighting, she's like deliberately like <laughs> trying to make sure that it's in the shot. And it's like, we're both just like, take a drink. Take a drink, turn the label around, do anything, make it seem like you're actually just holding this and they're not making you hold it this way. And then they end up, they do their thing and then they go backstage and then there's a whole thing of So Be Lean. (laughs) There's like a whole table that like normally would have like Gatorades and water and it's all So Be Lean. Like, wow, this, yeah, I can tell who funded this film.
0: Well, that and then singular because of all of
1: those like singular wireless. Oh my god, another throwback. Yep.
0: All of those that like those videos they sent back and forth to each other. Well, oh so yeah, would you even send videos during with those phones at that time? I mean, I had a flip phone in like sixth grade, and I like figured out you could take selfies with like the little with the camera when it was closed. Mm-hmm. So like, I have selfies from like when I was ten. So like I think people were. I, mean, I I couldn't send it during school hours, but apparently at Pacific Vista there are no teachers and they have they can email you all your assignments, so it's not a big issue.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I know. Email it to me.
0: And her going, she's "Like, what is this, LAX?" Yeah. Like, when yeah. she's like walking through the metal detector, and like he's finding all of her piercings. Also, like the placement when he was like over her lady bits, and she, like, "It's my keys." It's like your keys would not be down there in a pocket.
1: In like, the, the in the middle, yeah. He's yeah. going over the middle. Why are? your should like, my
0: keys. It's like why are your keys under there?
1: um what else yeah i think there's a lot of white girls playing in this movie of like yeah her explaining to solange knowles what she needs to be doing better and why she's so much better and even yeah. though she can't move to save her goddamn life yeah, there's there's a lot of that but i guess that's also the, the kind of plays into the trope and then she learns i don't need to be the leader i just need to be a part of the group or whatnot which is good she's there's character development because she was annoying as hell <laughs> yeah um
0: i also think like they should have leaned more into the whole like. I am speak like even in today like any PSA to everyone I will say this time and time again any kind of trendy phrase that you say is from TikTok or Instagram or you heard is typically from the black queer community no other community creates phrases or funny things expressions to say than that community unless it's of a culture like I'm sure in I'm only saying this because like Ali does speak Spanish and is half Peruvian so I'm not just like saying this. like unless it is of like in Spanish, or it's, like, it's not from, like, if it's, if you're in the United States, and you're hearing, like, 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 slay queen, or that slaps, or insert other phrase here, or say less, like, any of these phrases came from, I'm a, sh- 90% probably came from the black queer community, so when Hayden he was, like, oh my god, you speak I am – I think she says NFW, which I assume stood for no fucking way. And then Karish goes, oh, she did not just call me the N-word. I'm like, oh, this is funny. But, (laughs) like, they should have, like, played more into the fact that, like, the I am speak and, like, kind of – That was, like, the last time, like, I would say probably I am speak was the last time, like, white people created their own, like, trendy things to say. Because – this is a side note. I started watching Living Single cuz I needed a new show to watch and I was like, this is the show that ripped off that Friends ripped off. So I'm curious, so I started watching it. So much better than Friends. I was laughing so much harder, and the jokes were so much better, and, like, the friendships were so much stronger and so much more, like, community-based. It was, like, to me, a mix of, like, Sex and the City and Friends. I'm only, like, in season one, but, like, it's a hilarious show, and, like, they were making jokes and saying things that, like, have made it mainstream today, but this show came out, like, I'm assuming, like, in the early 90s, so I'm -hmm. like, wow, eventually everything that, like, Black people create just comes into the mainstream, and, like, we just steal it.
1: We do, we do. That's what, uh, oh what is it love don't cost a thing is a is or can't buy me love is a rip off of love don't cost a thing and and there's a ton of examples of that that we just we just white people rip it off <laughs> for for white audiences which is which is dumb but yes that's absolutely a thing i cannot Is it called, what is it called? I am? Like, yeah, like instant message speak. Got it. Oh my God. So dumb. So dumb. So dumb that she was like speaking in that. And I was trying to keep up and I was like, I don't know what this stands for. I'm like, this is, this, that part in and of itself doesn't age well. You're not that old. Like-
0: OMG. I never, I, I never did, like, I
1: am. Like, I know the basic, like, did you like, not
0: have, like, an aim? Did you not have an aim? No. For,
1: like, but that I think people my age had them. I just didn't, like, wasn't allowed a lot of computer time. But I know, like, the did basics you have a phone of, like, like OMG. Did have, I didn't have a phone until 2006.
0: But, like, did you have to, like, do, like, T9 texting?
1: Is T9 texting, Where, with, like, the keyboard that you have to press the, the seven, The thing multiple times, times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, like... It was like shortcuts. Like I was like created to like make shortcuts for that. Like yeah, to go through fast. I
1: guess I just didn't know all of it. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm an old person and I forgot everything. I was the one like eleven year old that was typing in full sentences or something. Oh. I don't know. Oh wow. But yeah, that that part was like what? I'm mm-hmm. just an old. I'm an old. I'm an yeah. old. And that's okay. Turning thirty. Not yet. Not until next year. God damn it.
0: Well, since you were saying your husband is such a cinephile, like I can't imagine Matt like not squirming or like standing up multiple times to like to get away from this movie he
1: was much more okay with it than I think we both thought and we I was expecting it I think we were both expecting it to be a lot more offensive than it was but I think he and I both from the get-go were like oh it's it's a satire it's mm-hmm. deliberately making fun of everything that made it a little bit a little bit easier yep. easier to watch it's still cringy it's still very right. cringy it was he was a good sport about it and he did not complain about it so we uh we got through it without al- alcohol I might add oh wow yeah well, yeah we were we were sober for that shit
0: you should now I will stand you should watch the first one because the act the original bring it on is like I mean it might not be your type it's like one of those movies as like a person of, like, the generation we are a part of, like, you need to see. It's, like, she's the man 10 things I hate about you. Like, it's in that, like, group of movies that, like, mm-hmm. you should just see.
1: Okay. I because, guess. like, this
0: because this one was, like, yeah, this one was, like, I want to say it's the worst but, like, I love, like, I love the other ones because, like, this, the fourth one has Ashley Benson from Pretty Little Wires and the lead cheerleader in Make It to Break It that I love like, mm-hmm. who was in the gym show. So, it's, like, this franchise, like, I like a lot and it's, like, I like cheerleaders so, like, it was funny but Yeah, watching this back, I love – this was the first one I saw, so it was, like, my favorite. Like, I saw Legally Blonde 2 before I saw Legally Blonde. I actually saw Legally Blonde 2, Legally Blonde the musical, and then I saw the original Legally Blonde. So I, like – not that I think the second one is a better movie, but, like, I have more nostalgia to it because I saw, like, it first. And I love the musical. It's one of those things where I think, like, the musical, like, did the movie justice really well. And I think they should do a musical movie like they're doing for Mean Girls, how they're doing a movie of Mean Girls musical.
1: Oh my God, are they like they did with Hamilton? No, 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 not
0: like a stage. Like they're doing like like a real movie, not like a pro shot. Like I think they're doing like a movie movie just of the musical.
1: Got it. So many layers of inception here. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> yeah, overall, not not as awful as I was expecting it to be. Would I choose to watch it? However, I was expecting it to be a lot, a lot more cringy or a lot more just offensive, I guess, than-, than yeah. It ended up being, and really the only offensive part was Hayden Panettiere crumping. Yeah. So, And the, the fact that, I, I'm very sorry, the, the white team had like their token Asian girl. And it wasn't just her. I was going to say, and her acting was terrible. And it wasn't just her. It was most of that team, their acting was awful. And like, just so bad. So bad. Like, they weren't picking up cues. And it just like, they were very robotic and didn't know how to act, I guess. I don't know. It was...
0: The dumb one was difficult.
1: Yeah. And it was like, maybe you can do that, but you just, you need to pick up on your cues faster. And, and I don't know, it just like, it was weird. It just wasn't, acting wasn't up to par.
0: I mean, direct to DVD meant, we knew what that meant back, back in those times
1: solange knowles is great parisha was also great Caricia was also very great she, she was, i mean
0: the whole crunshaw team was
1: they were better i also was like the, the boy the, the boy the love interest i was like just Jessie. put some product in his hair at least for the performances just put some product in the hair mm-hmm little bit
0: that was part of the charm of him being like a latin man with like swoopy hair
1: but like if you're gonna have swoopy hair you have to have it be longer <laughs> like i don't know We just like i don't know it wasn't wasn't into it
0: i mean even though it's sad like even though like it is very satirical that movie couldn't be made today without like a bunch of other. like even though it's like making because it's like it's playing even though well i don't think they could make that today no even no, no, no. With, even though it is satire it's reinforcing every of the, the lowest hanging fruit of both groups.
1: Yes, and nowadays, yeah, I don't think you could make that because I, I like you said that the satire, not everybody is going to understand that it's satire. So mm-hmm. it's going to be taken offensively and there are definitely offensive yeah. parts to it. I think the epitome of this movie is there's a line that she says when she's on the rooftop with the guy that she's like, I've seen Boys in the Hood. Or, I know how things <laughs> are. I've seen Boys in the Hood and he's like, yeah, and I've seen Legally Blonde or I've seen Clueless or whatnot. Oh, okay. She's like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. That's exactly how they're portraying both sets of people They're portraying yeah. this, the stereotypically black school is like super ghetto in, in like a offensive way, but they're also mm-hmm. portraying the white school as really, really rich and really, really dumb and yeah. spoiled mm-hmm. and all of the above.
0: In terms of content that's out now that what do you think like I think there's a narrative like we can't make jokes anymore like it, things can't be fun like all the content is needs to be PC and I just absolutely don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. So like, what's something that you've seen recently that you think like can do comedy and can do the thing without like with but doing it well so like the example I'll give and like that I thought that I enjoyed much more than I was expecting to it's a Netflix movie called do revenge it's with Camila Camila Mendez and Maya Hawk
1: mm-hmm. And it's a movie... Did you, wait, did you say you saw it or you didn't? I have not seen it. I, I've seen like previews. I haven't seen the movie.
0: It was surprisingly good. I was expecting it for, to be very bad. But mm-hmm. it's great between all of the cameos between like Euphoria cast members and Buffy and like all of these like little cameos. One of the scenes is great like in their the revenge plot because it's very reminiscent of 90s movies the soundtrack is really good but like they poke fun at they like poke fun correctly so camilla mendez is like she's the scholarship student scholarship poc student at this like rich preppy private school and like and she's the most popular queen bee and when someone's trying to take her take her down which she says to them in the first scene she's like are you really gonna try to take down like the poc scholarship student right now so it's like it's funny she's mm. the one making the joke about herself so it's like you can still make funny content that isn't directly like needing to use like variations of the n-word or playing directly. There's ways to still be funny and do that kind of humor smarter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a way to do it. I'm going to give you two things there's like here's an example of a show that i think could be funny but like they're trying too hard to lean into like the wokeness of it instead of just leaning into like comedy and letting like the wokeness kind of flow through is um the last blockbuster on netflix i really want to like it but it's they just haven't found their footing and they're just trying to lean into a lot of this gen z stuff that's just like that the writing's just not funny Like they're, they're adding a lot of things that are like, yes, this is woke. And yes, this is PC and that's great, but it's not funny. (laughs) Like you're leaning a little bit too far the other way. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think there's a show on Apple TV right now called Loot. Um, it's Maya Rudolph is a billionaire. Um, her husband is a billionaire and he had an affair. So she left him. So she, she got half of the money, which is like billions and billions of dollars. And she realizes that like her husband set up a foundation under her name that was for uh, like low-income housing and like homelessness in Los Angeles. And she decided like, my life is empty. I need to go help help and be a part of this foundation. And so she she is in it and she's helping out with the foundation. Um NJ Rodriguez, who is, who is trans, is like the head of the foundation. And they have a few other people. I can't remember his name. There's an Asian actor that's super, super funny. Everybody in it is incredibly funny, but they're not like... It's not in this like, like it's still woke, but not in a way that like we're leaning on the woke to try to be funny. It's just very self-aware of like who the characters are and the com- the comedy is coming from the characters and their flaws as people. And it's still really funny without being offensive to anybody or poking fun at races or poking fun at trans people or poking fun at any of this stuff like MJ Rodriguez is in it they never once make an even a commentary about the fact that she's a trans woman it's just she's just there and we just don't like that's that's it we don't need to know about it and it's great and she even has a bunch of love interests that we're all like everybody's chomping at the bit to try to overhear her her romantic conversations it's a really funny show I would definitely recommend it and it's Mm -hmm. just like it's fun it's a it's a funny show speaking of trans woman I don't know because you said
0: you didn't watch a lot of content in English until you were like a teenager mm-hmm. again I'm not I'm, I'm reiterating a fact Allie told me I'm not making a statement outside of that did you ever watch the original Cheetah Girls movie
1: yes yes I did
0: did you know that the drama teacher is trans I didn't find this out till like last year and I was shocked miss I don't remember her name at the moment but like the the lead drama teacher like is a trans woman and they don't say anything in the movie and I but I was just shows I was so shocked when I heard this I was like wow good for this movie
1: I what mean I haven't seen things? the Cheetah Girls in like decade and a half but I don't remember there being a drama
0: teacher. Well there is a drama teacher or the the teacher puts on the show, and she's trans. Openly trans which is good, good Disney for Disney be progressive wrong, but for I Disney was- I know. I was very shocked when I was like, well, Disney during that phase, like, was my, like, my childhood of Disney was big? People are like, why are you so progressive? Because they have the movie about the Ender sisters who are, like, racetrack people. They have movies about Xenon living in space. So, like, STEM things. Like, the movies that, like, I was raised with, like, taught me to be competent and, like, but unlike, I, I started watching the new Santa Claus's series and... Of course, Tim Allen, like, not woke, not funny. Unfortunately, like, they're killing it. And, like, you're killing my childhood, please. This series is terrible. Oh, no. There's this big thing. And Tim Tim Allen's, like, a big proponent of, like, we can't make a joke anymore. Because I saw him on Jimmy Fallon. And the thing is, like, it's not that you can't make a joke anymore. Like, I was having this conversation earlier. Here's my kind of stance on all of this, which is you can make any joke you like. Mm -hmm. You can use the N-word if you so choose to do so what individual consumers and businesses choose to to partner and to give you resources money attention like coverage is their decision from whatever your first amendment right chooses to vocalize
1: yeah Well, I I agree with that. You can make whatever joke you want. It's just that society no longer finds it funny. It's that society has moved forward in a way that your humor has not. And your humor was never that funny to begin with, but it resonated with a a subsection of the population that also shared your racial, you know, misogynistic sort of viewpoint on life. And now that majority of the country doesn't see that way, you're kind of left in the lurch. And that's just how, like, time works. That's just... (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's just life, right? Like he wasn't laughing at the jokes that his grandpa made. That's just how life goes. If you want to still be seen as funny, you have to see where society is at. Society is not going to stay still because you have stood still.
0: And I think there are plenty of people like I think there are plenty of funny comedians who can walk that line very gracefully and very funny com- comedic actors and very funny people who can walk that line of like knowing where it lies like knowing like the point of the joke if they're reaching like I saw this really funny tra I don't want to like I don't remember it fully, so I don't want to tell it wrong. It was a it was a joke about like trans people, but not making fun of trans. So basically, you can still make jokes about trans people without it needing to be like a genitalia joke or about like a cre like about something awful. Like you can still make fun of you can make fun of anyone in a fair way. I think the comedians that are doing well are finding the more are doing it more on characteristic and personal anecdotes than doing it on like needing to generalize about like women. Or like yeah. men or a race or
1: something. Absolutely. There's there's funny things that happen all the time and they don't have necessarily anything to do with a person's sexuality, gender, gender identity, race, or any of that stuff. I have said many, many times, if I ever did stand-up, my entire stand-up Ooh. routine would be like things that my mother has said to me because she is accidentally hilarious. And that has nothing to do with her gender. That doesn't, that has everything to do with her being my mother (laughs) and the power dynamic there. And the things that she can say to me and she, that woman is a savage. But again, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not poking fun at any race. It's not poking fun at any gender or anything like that. It's just poking fun at me because again, my mom is a savage.
0: So when are we expecting this comedy special to come out?
1: Uh I don't know. I think I need more <laughs> therapy first.
0: <laughs> I feel therapy will help you work through it though. That's the whole point of doing the comedy specialist. The comedy jokes get you through it. If you're if you're all healed, it won't be funny anymore.
1: Oh yeah, I'll just I'll just stay broken for you. What am I thinking? Perfect. What am I thinking? Yeah. Um we no, need the I, I don't think I would ever actually do stand-up, but I have decided that if I ever did, it would be entirely things my mom says to me. <laughs>
0: Thank you for coming on this episode and not making me talk to myself again. It was very fun. Thank you for having me. Childhood, teen years, earlier times. You know, the
1: early aughts were like a really lawless, weird time. The fashion was weird. It was a time of low-cut jeans and those sparkly, stretchy belts that everybody had. Juicy tracksuits. Yeah, and it's all coming back now. That that it is. You know, that's a, that's a part of our history that I'm okay to like for it to go down. For it to just like we can just pretend that those years didn't happen. Happy
0: early Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, it's very fun. I'm sure in some capacity we will do this again because we like to talk about a lot of things.
1: We do. I have a lot of opinions, and Scout doesn't care to hear them all. So
0: unless you're talking for her,
1: unless I'm talking for her, (laughs) it's funny how that works, isn't it?
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of An Omniaparadis. Don't forget to rate, download, and follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, where you lead will follow. So head on over to An Omniaparadis on Instagram and let us know what you want to hear in the comments. Bye!